Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and lifts you up. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. So this whole series, Finding Your Voice, that's what this is about, because your life is saying something, and your life needs to be heard. And God, we learned last Sunday, God actually has been dreaming about you since before the creation of the world, like before a billion years, before God made a billion years, before time began, God saw you and he dreamed about you and he very intentionally purposed for you to come on the scene now in this generation. That, that your life's message, it's saying something now, and now is the best time for your life's message to be spoken. Now. That God planned that. And so it's exciting, it's thrilling to be able to say, to see what it is that God is doing and what he's birthing in us. You know, um, there's a proverb, Proverbs 26, 25, 11, 25, 11, it says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Earlier in Proverbs 15, it says, how good is a timely word? Friend, I'm here to tell you this morning, your life is that timely word. Your life is that word fitly spoken like apples of gold and settings of silver that you discover what that is that God's designed you to say, your voice, you find that. That's where, that's where, as I say, you're cooking with gas. That's, as, as us hillbillies would say, you're firing on all cylinders when you discover that. And I'm just excited to see you start firing on all cylinders because God's doing something and it's cool. Now this morning, we're gonna start talking about the nuts and the bolts a little bit. We're gonna, last Sunday was the why, and this Sunday is really the what and the how, and actually for the next number of weeks until Thanksgiving, it'll be practical stuff. And so today I wanna to talk about your shape. Your shape, S-H-A-P-E, stands for the five things that God has put in you that you didn't do anything to get, he just gave them to you, he just put them there. It's part of how God designed you, your shape. When you're trying to figure out your calling, sometimes understanding your limitations helps to define your potential more than your gifts do. What I mean by that is a boat is designed with a hull and a rudder and a sail. If you try to put that boat on the highway, you're gonna be frustrated. Because it, it doesn't have wheels on it. And so the fact that the boat, some of you are looking at it and be like, can I explain that? <laughs> You're welcome, yeah. So, right, an airplane, you could drive an airplane, you could technically drive it across country, a wide enough highway. Better to fly it, don't you agree? Because it's designed for that. And so what if maybe the frustration you feel about your purpose and why you're here, what if it's because you're designed to float, but you're trying to fly? See, sometimes the, the, your limitations, understanding, okay, well, this is what I don't have, sometimes that helps to 
aim me in the right direction to find out what I do have. It's not a bad thing to recognize my limitations, true. We all have them. It's not a, it's not a negative thing. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying that I can't do everything, so knowing what I can't do can help me to see what I can do. And this morning, discovering your shape is a kind of a part of that because your shape is what God's done in you and he gave it to you. You didn't do anything for it. You didn't earn it. You didn't try for it. It's just like we learned last Sunday, God knit you together in your mother's womb. It's like these are the things that God knit in there. He put in the yarn when he knit you. And so the first one, the S, stands for your spiritual gifts. If you would turn to, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, your spiritual gifts. Now, let me clarify what a spiritual gift is. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you gave your heart to Jesus and you began to follow him as your Savior and as your Lord, God gave you a spiritual gift. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you've not received him as your Savior, then you would not have a spiritual gift because that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit to have the gift of the Spirit. Does this make sense? So I guess this would be a great opportunity for me to invite you. If you haven't yet begun a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. Listen, Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to you. He really is. I, my life has been forever changed by him. I'm so thankful for his friendship and uh, thankful for the freedom that I have in him and what he's done for me. And I can just tell you, that if you receive Jesus, you'll be so glad you did. And when you receive him as your savior, something really cool happens because you become then a part of the family of God. You want to be a part of the family of God? And your spiritual gift has to do with your connection in the family of God. Have you ever noticed that the members of a family all tend to play a different role like, does your family work that? Our family does. And our family, our oldest, Catherine, she's the super creative one. Always had, growing up, when the kids were growing up, Catherine just had more ideas than she had time. And always, she kept her brother and sister hopping with this game, that game. They were constantly inventing games and doing stuff. That was just, that's how Catherine rolls. And then Caston, our Caston, if you know him, He's the life of the party. He's, he's a conversationalist. There's no such thing as a quiet dinner with Caston at the table because there's going to be conversation. He never runs out of things to say, it doesn't seem. It's just how he is. And it's amazing. When he's home, the noise level in our house goes up like tenfold. And then he leaves and the crickets chirp. It's really weird. I think, wow, I guess we didn't realize how much noise that guy made until he moved out, you know, and now he's coming back and suddenly our quietness is shattered. But it's great. That's the gift that he brings. And then Carissa, our youngest, she's like the voice of reason, the voice of common sense. She's the, she's the problem solver. I'm going to go from point A to point B as fast as I can. We're going to solve this thing. Her brother and sister are picking daisies and chasing butterflies, and Carissa's solving the problems. It's just sort of how every, every one of them, isn't it fascinating? Same parents, same house, three different kids. They all have different roles. I'm saying to you, you received Jesus as your Savior. You became part of the family of God. God gives you a spiritual gift. He gives you a role to play in his family. 
Some of you are the loud ones. Some of you are the quiet ones. Some of us are the organizers. Some of us are the problem solvers. Some of us are the creative ones. We all have a role to play in the family of God. That's your spiritual gift. In Romans, we're told this, that in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. I like that. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Over in 1 Corinthians, I wanted to read this. Hopefully you've turned to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. It tells us that, he says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of the tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as who determines? He determines. Who gives them? God gives them. He gives them. It's not something that you earn or you worked for. You receive Jesus. He gives you a spiritual gift. Now, that doesn't mean you can't seek them, because the Bible also tells us to eagerly desire the gifts and to seek after them. So certainly nothing wrong with you seeking after some of the spiritual gifts. Not at all. But no, God is the one who gives them to you. And we have a list of the gifts here. You see some of the miracles and healing and tongues and prophecy. These are fantastic gifts. Elsewhere in the Bible, there are other passages that talk about the gifts. Other gifts are mentioned, leadership and hospitality, teaching, administration. I mean, these are other gifts as well, service. The question is, what's your spiritual gift? I guarantee you that if you are following Jesus Christ, you have one or two or three or maybe more. What is it? It's part of the purpose of this class that we're starting next Sunday is to really help you begin to hone in on that one. What's your spiritual gift? I guarantee God has given one and he's got a role for you to play in his family and it's really great. And by the way, we're hurting until you play your role. We need you to play your role because all of us are needed in this. All of us are needed. There's no such thing as an appendix in the body of Christ. We, every, everybody is needed. It's an all-hands-on-deck kind of endeavor. You bring your gift, I bring my gift, we each bring our gift, and we're all built up for the better. That's the spiritual gift. The H in shape stands for heart. What's your passion? It's what do you have a heart for? What, what gets you up in the morning? And what keeps you up at night? 
Sometimes your passion can be trying to solve a certain kind of problem. Sometimes going after an issue can become a passion. That's a good thing. Other times your passion might not be solving a particular problem or going after an issue. Sometimes your passion is just the thing that you just really love doing. It's the, it just melts your butter. It's the, just, here's an example. This morning, this morning at 7 o'clock, Jonathan Clark, he's playing, leading the guitar here this morning. Jonathan comes in at 7 o'clock, get ready, get started for today. And here, here's what he does. He's bopping in the door, and he says, man, it's a great weekend. So really, how's that? Well, Thursday night, I got to go to a skillet concert. Friday night, I got to lead worship for this other church. Last night, I went to a Wren Collective concert. This morning, I get to lead worship. And tonight at the core meeting, I get to lead worship again. It's going to be a great weekend. <laughs> now, there's a guy with a passion. You see that? That's a passion. When you love doing what you're doing, nobody has to tell you to do it. You just love it. It just comes out of you. And uh, you get around Jonathan, you, you understand. That's just, that is his gig through and through. What's your passion? What's your heart? In the, in the book of Nehemiah, we discovered Nehemiah had a passion for something. Look at this. It says, in the month of Kislev, now, now let me back up. Nehemiah was a Jewish man who had been taken from Jerusalem to Babylon because the Babylonians had attacked Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah would have been a prisoner of war, in a sense, and he was taken to Babylon, and he was serving in the king in the palace in Babylon, uh, and part of his job as a servant was to be the cupbearer to the king. So pretty responsible job, and um, obviously that speaks to Nehemiah's own integrity that this king would trust this foreign slave to be his cupbearer, but nonetheless, he's not home. He's not in his hometown. He's taken far from his home. And you can see Nehemiah's heart come through in these words. So it says, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Stop right there. Your questions often reveal your heart. Take a look at the questions you're asking because they reveal what you're interested in. They, they reveal the thing that grabs your attention. What grabbed Nehemiah's attention? Where was Nehemiah's heart? Back in Jerusalem. Nehemiah's heart was back there with the exiles, back in his hometown. He's far away from it, but his heart is still there. You see that? Where's your heart? What questions are you asking? That'll reveal what you're passionate about. So he asked them this question, How's the, how are things? And they said, not good, Nehemiah. Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Look at Nehemiah's response. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Think he has a passion? For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed. Is there something that you're so fired up about that you're willing to mourn, fast, and pray for some days over? That'd be a passion. I mean, if you're skipping food, 
you probably have a passion for it because you like to eat. Most of us do. Nehemiah, I mourned, fasted, prayed for days. I was heartbroken over it, shattered about it. Why? Because that's where his heart was. So what shatters you? That's your passion. It's your heart. What's the thing that you find yourself talking to God about a lot? That's your heart. You say, well, but my heart isn't for anything like spiritual. You know, like, okay, so I really love stamp collecting. Like, that's my thing. Okay. See, we have this thing where we, we think, here's my God life, and then here's the rest of my normal life over here. And so here's where I say my prayers and I read my Bible and I do my church thing. And then over here is where I do all the regular stuff like stamp collecting and rock collecting and playing soccer and whatever it is, whatever else it is. But do you understand that God doesn't just want to be part of your life? Like he wants to be your life. He's not the thing you do on Sunday mornings. He, he is your life. And he gave you the passions that he gave you for a reason. I would encourage you, if stamp collecting is your thing, and I'm just, I don't know if it is for anybody, I'm just kind of throwing that out there as a weird one, I guess, to be honest, but if stamp collecting is your thing, I would challenge you, give that to God. Say, God, how can I honor you with this passion? Because this is my thing. What can I do with this thing to honor you? I guarantee you, he wants to use it God wants every part of your life, my friend, every part. So that's your passion, your heart. The A stands for abilities. Your abilities, the things that you can do, the things that are, you're good at. You know, there's, there's a difference between the can do and then the ability to do. So I can fix a few things. And you can teach me and you can give me the instruction manual and I know how to work a wrench. I, I can fix a few things. But you know, I'm never going to have the mechanical ability like, uh, like Gary Martino does. He was in the first service. I mean, Gary's an amazing guy. He, just, he fixes it. He, he thinks like that. It's amazing to me. That's a guy with a mechanical ability. You know, I can, I can sing a few notes. I appreciate music. I can press play the best, with the best of them. But I don't have a musical ability you know, my, my wife has a musical ability. You know, she taught herself how to play the keyboard. You know that. When you see her playing, she didn't have any lessons on this thing. She just picked it up one day and thought it'd be fun to try. <laughs> that's, that's never going to happen in my life. That's never. I'm going to need painfully, painful lessons <laughs> and a very patient teacher to teach me how to do what she just kind of learned on herself to do. That's, a, that's an ability. That makes sense? You, you come in, I love our worship team. Our worship team, you know they're here every Wednesday night. They're practicing, preparing, and praying for us, getting ready to lead us in worship. Isn't that great? I appreciate our worship team, the hours they spend. Uh, they do spend hours and hours every week to, to prepare for us, to lead us into the presence of the Lord in worship. You come here on a Wednesday night, it's like they're talking a different language, like you walked in a different country. Yeah, we're going to capo that on the third, and then we're going to capo that up. I don't even know what a capo is. Is that like a mushroom? I, you capo in it. 
caper. I don't know. They're doing that. Hey, how about we're going to hit the uh, major seventh chord on that one right there, and then the C minor sixth right on that one. And they're talking this whole stuff, and I don't have a clue. You don't know what they're talking about at all. They have an ability. That's my point. There's can do. A few of us can play chopsticks, and then there's people that can actually have the ability to do music. Make sense? What's your ability? That's the question. I love this uh, verse in the Bible. I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. Let's read it first. Exodus chapter 35, Bezalel. Bezalel. Then Moses said to the Israelites, the Lord has chosen Bezalel and has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. You know what I love about this verse is this is the first time in the Bible that it is said that someone was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you notice who it was? It's not a preacher. It's not a prophet. It's not a priest. It's not a pastor. See who it was? He's a blue-collar guy. He's a craftsman. The guy's got wood shavings in his beard. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that. Friends, you hear the heart of God there? See, God gives you the abilities he gives you. God gave Bezalel those abilities. The guy's carving wood, and you think, oh, he's just, that's just what he does. No, God made him to do that. God made you to do the thing that you do. So give it to him and see what he does with it. It'll be breathtaking. Your abilities. Not only that, but then there's your personality. Your personality is a big one. Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you a, an internal processor, an external processor? Different personalities. Do you know that God gave you the personality he gave you? I know some of us think our personality is a curse. It's not. It's a blessing. God made you that way. The only thing I would say with your personality is this. We don't ever want to use your personality as an excuse to not love. Like an extrovert can't use their personality to run over people. And an introvert can't use their personality to run from people. You can't use your personality as an excuse to love. That's the only qualification. But enjoy the personality that God gave you. Use the personality that God gave you to honor him. I, 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 uh, one, of my, one of my favorite greeters, if you will, in the course of our ministry was a guy by the name of John McMillan. He it was in our old church in Pennsylvania years ago, and John was an old farmer, and he, I say was because he's with the Lord now. He's passed away, but he was an old farmer, salt-of-the-earth type, the guy, a guy that was more comfortable with cows than he was with people. You, you know that kind of person? That was John McMillan. Introvert, the introvert's introvert, really. When he gave his heart to the Lord and he began to be filled with the Spirit, his life was changed completely, a 180. And there, if, if you were a guest and you came to our church on a Sunday morning and you did not, John McMillan did not shake your hand, that was an accident. You just caught him, he was in the bathroom or something and you snuck past him. But he, he made it his 
personal mission to shake the hand of every new person that came into the church on Sunday morning. And, and I gotta tell you, it was kinda awkward because he's quiet, he's a, he was a quiet guy. So it was kinda one of those, hi. You ever, you ever shaken somebody's hand like that? You go, okay, what do we say next? I don't know. That was John. But you know what? You knew he loved you. And I, and I, and I just want to praise a guy like that. That's a champion right there. He, he know, he's an introvert. He's not going to be the life of the party. But he doesn't use that as an excuse to not reach out. Loved it. I'm just saying, don't use your personality as an excuse. Give it to the Lord. Have you tried that? Hey, God, you made me this way. I'm going to give this to you, and I ask you to use it for your honor and glory. Make me the best introvert that, that I can be made or the best extrovert that I can be made. Make me like that, Lord. There's this Bible verse that a lot of parents use, and it gets used out of context. It's in Proverbs chapter 26, 22, verse 6. It says, um, train up a child. Well, um, that's... I know it as train up a child in the way they should go. When they are old, they won't depart from it. The, the new NIV says it. Start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. A lot of Christian parents use this verse because they think, I raised my child to follow Jesus, and you know now he's an atheist, but I'm still hanging on that he's going to come because train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. And I don't want to steal your hope. Please forgive me. I, I don't mean to do that at all. Hang on to that promise. Please, Christian parent, hang on to it, hang on to it. However, the word way, look at the word way there. The word way, in the Hebrew is the word darak. It's also translated in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, which I put up there. It's where the, the sluggard, the lazy person is challenged to consider the ways of the ant. And in other words, take a look at this ant and its nature as an ant. And ants are known to be hardworking. It's kind of their reputation in the bug world. So they're, they're known for that. And so the Bible says to the lazy person, hey, you consider the way of the ant and learn from his way. In other words, the ant was created this way. And we can learn the lesson from the ant. See, the, your way is actually your personality. It's a reference to your personality. Another way that it gets translated is, um, is the way a person walks. Have you ever noticed that you can see somebody coming from a distance, and let's say it's dark, or, or they're backlit, and so you can't see who the person is, but you can see them walking, and just by the way that they walk, you know who it is? Isn't it funny how some people have a very distinctive walk? the way they walk. The, the point is that when it says train up a child in the way they should go, it's the parent's privilege to be able to identify the way that this child was created and to encourage the child in that way, to, to see their personality, to see their abilities, to see their talents, and, and to kind of encourage them in those. That's the parent's responsibility. I happen to believe it's also our responsibility as a church community, that we want to we take our children and our church, let's catch them doing something right, catch them doing something well, and then praise them for it. 
hey, man, when you do that, you're really awesome at that. You're really great. That's part of the, the way that we as a church community can bless our young ones is to call out their talents and their abilities and encourage those things in them. That's really what this proverb is talking about. Train up the child in the way they should Show them how they were made. Don't lie to them and say you can do anything you want to. That doesn't help. Tell them what they were made to do. Highlight their abilities and their strengths and their talents and their passions and so forth, their personalities. So your personality is how God has designed you. What would happen if you were to give your personality to the Lord this morning? Say, I've never really thought about giving my personality to God. Yeah, why not? He gave it to you. Why not give it back to him and see what he does with it? And then the E in the word shape is your experiences. Your experiences, and we all have them, good and bad. And I know when I say this, some of us think, wait, God caused those bad things to happen in my life? Those, those are bad experiences. And, and I would say to you, no, I don't believe that God made those bad things happen in your life. I don't believe that. But I do know that God can use them. I know that your worst day can be your greatest asset if you'll give it to the Lord. I know that. Why not take your worst day and give it to the Lord and see what he does with it? I know that he's redeeming God. He loves to take trash and turn it into treasure. He loves that. <laughs> he loves turning garbage into gold. God loves that kind of stuff. Like, that's all. He loves that. So why not give him your worst day? Why not give him your bad experiences, your garbage? Why not give it to him? See what he does with it. I know this, that, that those things can work together to become a part of the calling that God has on your life. A couple of examples, you know Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's Restaurants. He's kind of a well-known one. You know Dave was an orphan and grew up in a really rough situation, alone, abused, a lot of, a lot of bad stuff. And then as he matured into adulthood and he became successful and started to gain some wealth, you know, he set up a foundation for orphans and to adopt kids, and he always had a thing for that. In fact, the restaurant Wendy's is named after the little girl that he and his wife adopted. You know that? Or, or how about Chuck Colson? Chuck Colson was, the, was one of uh, Richard Nixon's henchmen. He was uh, wrapped up in the whole Watergate scandal back a number of years ago, and probably read about that, heard about that. Chuck Colson was in the middle of all that, and he went to prison for it. And um, he, and he knew he did wrong. It was wrong. He got it. He, he, he paid the price for it. But in prison, God got a hold of his life. And when he got out of prison, he started Prison International Fellowship, a ministry that went around the world, transforming, actually, uh, different jails and prison systems, started Bible studies in prisons. The Prison International Fellowship is still going on to the Prison Fellowship International, I'm sorry, is going on to this day. Bible studies in prisons right now. And how did it start? Chuck Colson had a really bad day. <laughs> got put in prison. I'm just saying, your experiences are not wasted. 
good and bad, give them to the Lord and let him use them and see what he can do with them. David is another classic example from the Bible. We know the story of young David at the age of 11. He's anointed to be the king of Israel. Literally, they pull him out of the, he smells like sheep. And he gets anointed as the king, as the next king. And then suddenly, he skyrockets to national fame with the whole David and Goliath thing. You know that story? Instantly on the front page of all the newspapers, if they had them back then. They didn't, but you know what I'm saying. Instantly, he's national and famous in the nation, which got the jealousy of the incumbent king, King Saul, who then tried to kill him several times. And then David became a fugitive, spent 15 years on the run, hiding in caves, eluding Saul's grasp. During that time, 400 misfits started to hang out with David. It seemed like every guy that had a beef against the king decided they would hang out with David in the caves. When David finally did become king at the age of 30, many of those men became leaders in his cabinet, his government, his army. I think it's amazing that David the giant killer takes losers, turns them into giant killers. You think he might have learned a few lessons about leadership as he's running from Saul in the caves? I think he did. A few lessons about running things and organizing things and leading that might have uh, helped him serve him well as he became the king. Here's what the Bible tells us in Psalm 78. It says that God chose David, his servant, took him from the sheep pens, from tending Sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. God takes David out of the sheep pen, through the caves, into the palace. And those experiences made him the king that he became. I wonder what your experiences are making in you. Friends, you'll never know until you give them to the Lord. You know what we tend to do? If we have a bad experience, we tend to hang on to it. We wear it like a badge, like it's my identity, like this is who I am. Why do that? Give it to the Lord and let him turn it into something amazing. Let him take your trash and turn it into treasure. But you've got to be willing to give it to him first. Can't hang on to it. Can't wear it like a badge. Can't use it as an excuse. Give it to him and watch him do something awesome with it. So this is your shape, spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, all five things that God has given to you. He's put there in who you are. I wonder what he wants to do with them. What do you think? What's your shape? Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.